Zechariah chapter number four. I hope you're there. If you're there, say amen. amen. And the angel that talked with me came again and waked me. As a man that is wakened out of his sleep, and said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick all of gold, with a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps, which are upon the top thereof, and the two olive trees by it, one on the right side of the bowl, and the other on the left side thereof. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? And the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou, knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. Say those three words with me. By my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt come, become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof, with shoutings, crying, grace, grace. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also finish it. And thou shalt show, thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto you. For who hath despised the day of small thing? Well, they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel who, with, with the seven. They are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro through the whole earth. Then answered I and said unto him, What are these two olive trees upon the right side of the candlestick and upon the left side thereof? And I answered again and said unto him, What be these two olive branches which through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? He answered me and said, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. These are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. Let the church say amen. amen. Our Father, we pray you add thy blessing to the reading of your word. It is already blessed. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. I pray that you'll do a work like only you can. There's someone in the building that doesn't know Jesus. Might that one come to a saving knowledge of the truth today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. By my spirit, by my spirit. So important. Zechariah is picking up his pen by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God and he's talking to the people of God. People who are drowning in discouragement and despair. They're struggling with a bad economy, poor crops and livestock that's not what it should be. Their resistance from enemies is strong. Their assistance from friends is weak. Now, no, let's, let's just be honest. Isn't it amazing sometimes at your most difficult times in life, your resistance from enemies is strong and your assistance from friends is weak. Do I have a witness? And so discouragement comes. They've got a job to do. They've spent 70 years in captivity. Now God has graciously delivered them. Brought them back to the land that he has given them and brought them back to Jerusalem. But the, the temple has been destroyed. The walls have been broken down. The city is in ruins. I think if we describe the, the Jews when they get back to Jerusalem and we describe, describe the status of that city, we would probably say it's ruined. It's only a remnant and they are a reproach 
that there's just something that looks bad about being the people of God and broke down. Let me say that again. I mean, just people look and look, they, they look and you, you, you're supposed to be the people of God. This is where the temple of God is supposed to be. This is where God is supposed to be lifted up. This is where Christ is supposed to be exalted. This is where his name is supposed to be magnified. This is where the people that know him, he's known them. He's made himself known to them. He's redeemed them. This is a people with an illustrious history dating back to Abraham. And when they ended up in Egypt, God sent Moses to deliver them a million and a half, two million Jews out of, they walked across on dry ground and God delivered them to, delivered them from their enemies and they defeated defeated Amalek and they defeated all these others and they marched around Jericho and God's done a great work in their life. If anybody, when you go see them and visit them in their homeland, if you expect things to be right, to be looking good, to be impressive, you expect that to be among the people of God. Listen to me. The world expects us to have it together. That's why it's so important as a child of God to make sure you're building up. Our theme for youth conference this year is under construction. We have a uh, construction theme, this whole auditorium. When we've been working with Brother Stewart, and this whole auditorium is going to be a construction site, a work in progress. Aren't you glad that he's still working on me? Amen. Still working on you. But our theme verse comes from, from the book of Jude, one chapter there. And Jude says, building up yourselves, building up yourselves, building up yourself. So some Christians think they're not better Christians because nobody built them up. Jude says, build up yourself. And the, 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 you mean to tell me, Pastor, you expect me to grow on my own? You expect me to be working on my, listen to me, not on your own. You got this Bible working inside of you. And the Bible is strong enough. It's powerful enough. It's good enough. It's great enough. It's old enough. It's eternal enough. It's right enough. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. And I hate every false way. Listen to me. I'm not talking about a book. I'm not talking about the Constitution. I'm not talking about a 12 step program. I'm talking about the precious word of God. You put it in your life. It will build you up. James said, who so looketh in the perfect law of liberty and Continued therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. The psalmist said, He walketh not in the council of the godly. He standeth not in the way of sinners. He sitteth not in the seat of the scorn. Do you watch? Do you watch the digression of sin? You start walking. Next thing you know, you're standing. Next thing you know, you're sitting. Somebody help me preach. Be careful who you're walking with. Well, I hang with them, but I don't act like. For long, you're from walking to standing, standing to sitting. No, 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 no. The godly man doesn't do that. The happy man doesn't do it. His delight is in the law of the Lord and his law that he meditate day and night. It'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall what? Look, listen, Joshua 1, 8, the only time the word success is mentioned in the Bible. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe and do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Listen to the verse in James. Listen to the verse in Psalms. Listen to the verse in Joshua. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not rocket science. There is a direct correlation in my life with blessings and the Bible. And so what I do with the Bible determines what God does with me. I can't, I can't bypass the book and get blessed. I can't bypass the book and be successful. I can't bypass the book. Listen to me. You can go all around the world. You can visit all kinds of places. You can have Amazon Prime membership. And you can get just about everything delivered to your house the same day you order if you got Amazon Prime. But you will not get success delivered from Amazon Prime because it doesn't come from Amazon. It comes from Almighty God. And God says you may have money to buy everything at Amazon, but money won't buy success because success is directly correlated with your submission to the Word of God. You know what? The, listen, it doesn't make the Christian life easy, but it doesn't make it confusing. I obey the Bible, God blesses me. I disobey the Bible, God judges me. 
So, so Zachariah is challenging the people of God. And he's, listen, we're going to get it done. You hear Zerubbabel mentioned several times because Zachariah is the prophet. Zerubbabel is the governor there. And he's, he's, the, he's the leader that's responsible to get these folks to rebuild the temple. But the people are so discouraged, they need a word from the Lord. Have you ever talked to somebody and you're trying to help them and it doesn't seem to work? And you finally conclude, they don't need to hear from me, they need to hear from God. Sometimes you got to give people to God. They're not listening, they're not listening, they're not listening. You keep saying the same thing, you say it another way, you get somebody else to say it a different way. You browbeat, you threaten, you you give guilt trips, and they don't seem to change. Sometimes God has to speak to them. So Zechariah is giving them the word of the Lord. The job can get done. There's, they are content to assume that the way the city looks will be the way their future will remain. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you content to conclude that where your life is now, it has to stay? Pastor, I'm going through a rough time. I'm, I'm, I'm battling something. I'm, I'm in a low moment. My, you don't have to stay there. You don't have to. Listen to me. Your past doesn't have to define you. Amen. Your present doesn't have to doom you. Amen. Your future doesn't have to distress you. Some people, somebody said, somebody said this week, I want to do right, but I'm scared if I do right, I might mess up. Listen to me. You don't ever have to be scared of doing right because when you do right, God comes alongside of you. Perfect love casted out all fear. Zachariah said we're going to get the job done. But we're not going to get it done by might. We're not going to get it done by power. It's going to be by God's spirit. No human military strength. No human resources. No physical strength. No human ability. No efficiency. No wealth. No physical material. No mental strength. No cleverness. No prowess. No individuality. It must be done by God's spirit. And ladies and gentlemen, the longer I live, the more that I see Christianity trying to be done in the power of the flesh. God says it can't be accomplished. Everywhere I go, we preachers talk about revival, and I, you know, I won't see it too. Here's, I, I hope, I, I, I never, my, my nature, uh, naturally, my instinct is to be positive. I'm a pretty positive person. I, I don't like to be around people that are always negative. They're everywhere. I mean, soon they will, I mean, somebody walked in once and oh, somebody probably said, oh, look at them spring. And why are they so big? This is a negative person. <laughs> Some people always find something bad about everything. That's why they can't even get along with God, because they think there's something wrong with him. But here's, here's the danger. You can be so driven to optimism that you ignore realism. So now you're just thinking everything's good, everything's good. Life's good, family's good, everything's good. My life's good, my habits are good, my, my attitude's good, my, 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 my robbing God is good, my, my partying is good, my drinking is good, my smoking is good, my, my drugging is good, my chewing is good, my running with those that are doing is good. Listen, listen, listen. You, you, you gotta be optimistic. In other words, you gotta believe that God can do anything, but you gotta be realistic. He don't put up with foolishness. And I'm just be honest. I'd love to see revival. I've tried to look at it with, with every lens I can look at. It's hard for me to see revival coming to the United States of America the way I see Christianity being lived. Amen. Just just motions. Going, going, going through 
we, we show up at church. We, we, we say we're here. Listen, we're not here to punch a clock. We're not here to check off a box. We're here to, we're here to meet with God. There, there has to be a moving of the Holy Ghost. I said to my class this morning, the Holy Ghost wants to move, but the Holy Ghost can't move and we don't let him. I told my class this morning, it's like having a, a, a vicious dog in the house that'll rip apart any intruder that comes in. And yet you have that vicious dog caged up. So, so, the, so the robber just come in walking all over the house, taking everything, and the dog in the cage just growling. And, and, and the intruder looking at the dog doing it back to him. What, 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 Pastor, you say, Pastor, what's happening? I'm saying you got someone inside of you that's bigger than anything you're facing called the Holy Ghost of God. He's bigger than drugs, bigger than addiction, bigger than lying, bigger than adultery, bigger than fornication, bigger than depression. Amen. But he can't do any of it if you got him caged and you caged the spirit by sin. It doesn't have to be obvious sin. It can be open sin. Bitterness, resentment, unresolved issue. God will not move in your heart. So Zachariah's approaching all of this saying, it's got to be the Spirit of God. So it begins, first of all, with the preparation of the servant. The preparation of the servant. He says, in order to understand that it's going to be by my spirit, there must be preparation in the servant. You must be, there must be a spiritual awakening. There must be a surrendered attention. There must be specific asking. It requires us to understand in order for God to move in our lives spiritually, we have to be awake. Now I asked you today, are you spiritually awake? The preparation of the servant. Notice secondly, the power that is supplied. Last week we looked at this. So he sees this, this vision. And he looks up and he sees two trees and from these trees there are branches. And, and then he says on top of all of this candlestick is a bowl and the bowl feeds into the lamps and the lamps have pipes and once the bowl feeds what it gets from the trees into the pipes up through the lamps fire happens everybody listening two trees branches going into a bowl now the bowl is going to go down and the bowl is going to take that oil into those into those pipes, seven pipes on top of the pipe and lamps. You, I want you to just think about like torches or candles. So you've got, you've got this, this oil coming from the top, goes all the way down through the pipes and then the pipes supply to the lamps. Now watch this now. Hey, listen, it doesn't do no good to have a lamp if it doesn't have a power source. Anybody listening this morning? See, see, thank God for a good sound system and thank God for nice screens and thank God for great, great, great cameras. But screens and cameras and sound systems don't do the work of God at Crossroads Baptist Church. It's going to require spiritual people holding a microphone. Spiritual people turning the microphones on. If we're not careful, we'll dot all our I's and cross all our T's. We'll learn the letter of the law and not the spirit of the law. Let me go teach my class. Let me go sit in my place. Let me go carry my offering plate. Let me let me go punch my clock. Let me go let me go meet with the kids. Let me go sit in the nursery. And we think, well, I, I did my part. No, 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 God said, you may have done your part from man's perspective, but you've got to understand it must be done by my spirit. 
my spirit, supernatural, not human. See, there must be a supernatural possession. This, this power, this power is the power of God, not the power of man. Self-sufficient production. He looks at the end and looks at verse number 12 and he says, these two olive branches, which threw two golden pipes, empty golden oil out of themselves. So it's very clear, as Zechariah says in chapter number four, although earlier in the passage, he only mentions the, the, what he sees by way of trees and bowl and pipes and lamps. But he clearly says in verse number 13, there's oil coming down. The oil's coming from there and it's going from the bowl into the pipes and, and into the lamps and, and it's shining. And what Zechariah looked up to see was normally when you had a lamp stand in the temple, there was a priest in there pouring the oil and trimming the wicks so that the candles could keep burning. But he says, I look at this golden candlestick. I don't see any priest. I don't see any human instrument. Here's what God is saying. There comes a time in the Christian life where you can't serve for people. You can't wait on the pastor to give you the word or your wife to keep you picked up or your parents to take you to Christian school. You can't wait on the choir to lift you up emotionally. You've got to leave this building and be a spiritual babe that desires the sincere milk of the word of God. You've got to get down with God by yourself and learn God for yourself. We've learned the rules, we've learned the regulations, we've learned the rituals, but we've never learned relationship. At the midnight hour, you can't call your preacher, you can't have a deacon, you can't get somebody to come through to you. You gotta know how to talk to God for yourself. Self-sufficient production. It's like, where did the oil come from? God sent it. Watch this now. Steady provision. It just kept flowing. Watch this now. As fast as they wasted it, they received it. Are you listening to me? I mean, th this is what happened in the temple. In the temple, and at first in the tabernacle, and later in the temple, you'd walk into the holy place. You'd see the golden candlestick. You'd see the seven branches. At the end of the branches would be a lamp. The high priest would provide the oil. He would trim the wicks. He would keep the fire burning. It provided, it, it provided like so the priest could see, and he could burn incense there on the golden altar morning and evening. As a matter of fact, even the Bible talked about of the sin offering, Leviticus chapter number six. He said the priest was responsible for keeping the fire burning on the sin offering and he had to do that by two ways. He had to remove the ashes and replace the wood. Leviticus chapter six. That's the sin offering. The burn off. Remove the ashes. How many you know a fireplace can't keep burning if it's got all them ashes in it? And how many you know a fireplace can't keep burning on the same wood? But here in this golden candlestick, the priest would literally trim the wicks and pour the oil. And yet Zachariah says, God's trying to tell you something. He's not asking you to come up with the oil. He's not asking you to resupply the oil. He's not asking you to manufacture the oil. Hey, I'll tell you what happened. Listen, let's find out in Leviticus chapter 10 what happened when people tried to manufacture their own stuff. Amen. You know what God called it? Strange fire. Amen. Nadab and Abihu went to the temple. And they're going to go mix up their own stuff. Look at me, church. In these last days, one of the most dooming and damning problems in churches today is when human beings trying to whip up some God stuff. I've watched, I've watched men work a crowd. Worker crowd. 
Somebody, I just tell you, somebody, God told me 50 people in here need to put $50 in the offering plate. I'm telling you, God told me, God didn't tell you nothing. You know, I was talking to someone this week, seeking the will of God, in a, in a very tough situation. So, I, I've got all these voices, all these counselors, all these, all these helpers, and, and, watch this and they're all telling me something different. Maybe I'm a little off on this. I've never felt like pastoral counseling, neuthetic counseling, spiritual counseling meant I've got to get somebody before me and tell them what God wants them to do. I always felt like my job as a counselor was to take an individual where he is, where she is, and push that person into a position where he is aligned with the presence and the spirit of God so that he can then hear what God tells him he wants him to do. Now that may be involved by saying you need to read your Bible more, you need to pray, you need to get rid of that sin because the Bible says that's not right. But I'm talking about where areas where there's clearly a judgment call and I'm just amazed at men of God that represent positions that aren't biblical, they're extra biblical, there's no biblical foundation in it and speaking with authority telling them you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this and if you don't follow that you're not following God. We are not God. want the preaching around here at Crossroads Baptist Church to convince the people that there is a power supply, there is a source, there is a resource. Listen to me. Am I so foolish to think that God needs you to set up a meeting with me, drive up here to the church, us travel up in the office and sit down for two hours to tell you something when he's omnipresent, he could have come to your house and saved both us gas? I'm not slaying counseling. I, listen, in the to the counselors, there is... Safety. We need counseling. Some people would have made a whole lot of better decisions in life if they got counsel first. I'm just simply saying, let us not as human beings represent the voice of God. The power that's needed from Crossroads Baptist Church doesn't come from a pep talk from the pastor or micromanagement or leadership. The choir's not going to do what they need to do because they have a good choir director. The congregation is not going to be spiritual because they have a good worship leader. The kids are not going to grow up serving God because they have strict parents. Somewhere along the line, this thing has to be real. It's got to be authentic. It's got to be God-given. That's why people can't last. And we're in, the, we're in the building trying to get dead people sometimes. To say, Come on, sing, sing, sing. Come on, sing. Do it again. Sing, sing, sing. Turn up the drums. Turn up the volume. Sing, sing. So some of you feel it, feel it, feel it. We need live drums. We need live. We need a praise and worship team. We need liturgical. We need carnal people to get spiritual. All of us. They said we don't have to work it up. God's, that's God's job. Just look at Philippians chapter 2. I didn't. Let's go over here and look at it. And, and, uh, he's looking at this, this candlestick. And oil keeps coming. It's a good parallel passage. Now Paul's writing to the church of Philippi from jail. He's in jail. And he's writing a letter about joy from jail. 
You know you're walking with God where you can have joy in jail. And you know that joy is not based on circumstances when you have joy in jail. Philippians 2. Verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Look verse 12. Work out your own salvation. Say that with me. Work out your own salvation. Say it again. Now look up here this morning. Raise your hand if you're listening to just that, that phrase at face value, how it, how it, face value, how it sounds. That don't, that don't sound right. Say it again. Emphasize on this time. Say it again. All right. Turn the person beside you, and when you say own, point your finger, all right? Say it again. Work out your And all the cults galvanize this verse and say, oh, yeah, that's, see, that's what you got to do. Gotta go, you ain't going to go to heaven if, if, if you don't have your good outweigh your bad. Because Paul said, work out your own. You, you, the only way you're going to go to heaven is if you, you work it out. And you can't, can't nobody work it out for you. You got to work it out for yourself. That's what happens when you don't study the Bible. You just read it. Work out. I should have given them this word to put up on the screen because it's way too long for you to spell. Or maybe next week I do. It's katergozomai. K-A-T-E-R-G-A-Z-O-M-A-I. Say katergozomai. Say katergozomai. That's what the word workout, that's those two words, that's what it is in the Greek. Somebody said, I'm going to go to a church where a pastor talk about what the Greek is. Well, how are you going to know what the Bible said when it was written in Greek and you reading it in English and not every word in Greek translates to a word in English? Or what are you going to do when old English words don't mean the same thing that 2023 means, like your conversation of living? And you say, yeah, that means me and somebody else need to have a conversation that lifts up God when conversation in the Bible is not talking about dialogue, it's talking about manner of behavior. It means to work to the fullest potential, to achieve the most. It means to bring the best out of. So, so now think about it. Work out your own salvation. Let me tell you what the Bible didn't say. Stop listening to the Bible and letting it say what you want it to say or what you think it said and let it say what it did say. It didn't say work for your own salvation. It said work out your own salvation. By the way, you can't work out something that's your own unless it's yours first. See, 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 you, you don't have to work for your salvation because that would, that would contradict the, the letter before this one. Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works of sin, any man should boast. It would contradict Paul's letter to Titus when he said not by works of righteousness which we've done but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost so you don't work for your salvation now it doesn't mean it wasn't work it just means you didn't do it somebody named Jesus did the work so he's not asking you to work for he's asking you to work out to bring out the fullest potential to achieve the most out of your salvation you can't get saved God has to do the saving but how much you're getting out of what he put in when he saved you is not on him. It's on you. Amen. I'm almost done. Uh, I was reading John Phillips years ago. And John Phillips 
gave examples of how we would practically understand Kater Gazoma. He gave one example of a math problem. How I many of you do not like math? Would you raise your hand? All right. All right. How many of you absolutely love math? All right. Good. Good. Now we know all the nerds in the building and we appreciate that. Some of you say, yeah, and I know how to count my money too. All right. All right. So, so we're going to math problem. You know how you have to, you have to go through it and work through it and follow through. Remember the teacher would say, don't just give me the right answer, but show your work. Cause you can get lucky one time, but if you know how to do it, you can get it right every, somebody help me preach. Even a blind squirrel will find an acorn that wants one. You just guess. What's the answer? Three. Well, teacher, that's correct. Do another one. Uh, or they find out somebody did your work for you. It's what some people find out when they go through trials. They didn't really walk with God because somebody was doing their work for them. They go through a trial and they got to live for God for themselves and they fall apart and say, what happened? You forgot everything. No, no, no. It just looked like I knew something. I never did. So you work out a work out a math problem step by step. Take add it up, carry it, come through, move one uh, variable to the other side. Whatever you do on one side, you do on the other side. So you you know x my x two x equals six, right? <laughs> Divide both sides by two, and you get x equals three, right? You're working it out. In other words, the problem ain't gonna solve itself. You got to work it out. Cater goes on. Everybody understand? Work. Out, work work out a, a math problem. But but here's another one. How a farmer works a field. I mean, he's got to plow it properly. He's got to sow properly. He's got to make sure that the ground is ready to receive the soil and God sends the water. And he works out by plowing and working the field because he can't get a harvest of, of, of grain unless he's first sown properly, right? You, you got to sow at the right time if you want to reap when harvest time, right? You work out a field. Here's the best one that I believe he described. Cater goes over. A gold digger. Working a mine. M I N E. So the so it's his mine. It's it's been deeded to him. And he has been informed that in his mine there's gold. I mean I mean when he when he got the deed, the deed said this mine is yours and it is loaded with gold. All the gold in the mine belongs to you. Now watch this now. Then he goes down the road to the store and he walks into the store with a bunch of groceries in his cart and he gets up to the cash register and the, and the lady says, that'll be $263.42. And he shows the, the cash, the lady cash register his deed. He says, up the road down there somewhere, I got a mine that's got a lot of gold in it. And I'm just telling you, here it is right on this paper. Now, I don't have none of it here with me, but underneath that ground, if you had x-ray vision, which I don't, you'd know that I'm really rich on paper. You ever hear them people say they're rich on paper, but they can't spend none of it? So, so if he wants to enjoy his goal, he's going to have to work his mind. So he, he grabs a bucket, and he grabs a shovel, and he starts digging. And when he digs a whole bunch of it, he looks at it. Some of it's dirt and some of it's gold. Somebody help me preach. You don't want a bucket full of dirt. So, so, so you know what you do? You take the water and you wash off the dirt and put the gold in the bucket. 
and, and make sure you pour a bunch of water on it because because some of it might look like it's gold, but it really ain't gold. So you pour water on it to make sure that what disguises itself as gold is actually gold so that you don't fill up your bucket with a bunch of dirt. Because where you're digging, there's a lot of dirt and a lot of gold, but gold is what is valuable. Dirt ain't worth, somebody help me preach. So he keeps digging, he keeps digging, he keeps digging. Here's what he does. He digs this way because not the whole thing's the whole mine has gold. There's an area inside the mine that has gold. So he digs, keeps digging, keeps digging. As long as he finds gold, he keeps going that direction. And then when he gets to a spot, he digs, 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 and there's no gold. He marks off because clearly there's no more gold past this point. Now he's going to go this way. Same thing. Dig, gold, gold, oh, gold, 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 gold. Wow, gold. More gold. Dirt, wash it off. Gold in the bucket. Dirt, discard. Gold, gold. Oh, no gold. No gold, no, no, no more gold over there. Same thing over here, Marco. Dig till you find no gold. Right here. Now he's got the area where the gold is. Why? Because it don't make no sense to dig somewhere where ain't no gold. Watch this now. You don't get credit for gold just because you dug if you dug somewhere where gold didn't exist. You don't get credit for being a Christian that's tired if you're tired from foolishness. So here's what Paul's saying. The guy has a mine, it's his. The mine's got gold, it's there. But as much as he has a mine and the mine has gold, he cannot enjoy the gold that's in his mine, even though it's his, unless he takes a bucket and a shovel and digs it up. It is his. It's been deeded him. It's there in the ground. But it's up to him to work out his mine the right way so that when he leaves the mine, he's got more gold in his bucket than he had when he started. Because it ain't just good enough to own a mine with gold if you ain't good enough to dig up a mine and get the gold. Now, here's what he's saying. The moment you got saved, you got deeded a mine, M-I-N-E. Your mine that you got deeded was salvation. You didn't buy the mine. God bought the mine through Jesus Christ's blood. So every single one of you that got saved, you have your own mind. Turn to the neighbor and say, I'm rich. <laughs> now watch this now. I'm rich. I got I got a bunch of gold in my mind. Now listen, just like the guy with gold in his mind, there are a bunch of creep, bunch of Christians, not creeps. There are a bunch of Christians. <laughs> I was going to say creatures and Christians at, Christians at the same time. And uh, anyway, there are a bunch of, there are a bunch of people that have been saved. Amen. <laughs> Every Christian is rich, but most Christians live like paupers because they're only rich on paper. They've never gone to the mine and dug up what God put in there and deeded them. And, and watch this now. They look at other Christians and go, if I had what you had, and God blessed me like he blesses you, and if I had it as good off as you had it, I would enjoy my Christian life. Let me bust your bubble and tickle your fancy. You do have it as good as I had it. I didn't get a preacher salvation, or preacher's kid salvation, or extra dose salvation, or gold-plated salvation, or princess cut salvation. You get saved, we all get the same salvation. We get loaded up in our mind with all the gold that's in there, but the only way you can enjoy the gold that's in your mind you've got to dig it up that's what he means by Kedar Gozoma get the most out of the salvation that he worked in by working it out now here's Zechariah 4 parallel right here and then I'm finished next verse verse 3 verse 13 for it is God which huh 
worketh. <laughs> Wait a minute now. Verse 12. Work out your own salvation. Who's he talking to? Me? You? Us? Lost people? Saved people. Aren't you glad you saved? If, you, if you're not saved, then a whole bunch of the Bible is not even addressed to you. You say, that's mean. No, it's not. You can get saved and get all of it. That's pretty nice. So he looks at you and me and says, work it out. Then he looks at verse number 13 and says, no, God's working it. What is it? I mean, which one is it, Paul? He's just, this is, some of you are going, see, that's why I don't read the Bible. And, and especially why I don't read the King James Bible because you can't understand nothing. First he says, God, work it out myself. Now he says, God, I mean, what does God want me to do? Yeah, but here's the thing. Verse 12, work out is a different Greek word than verse 13, work at. Work out, verse 12. Kerter goes on my. Get the most out of what has been put in. Work out. Kerter goes on my. Worketh. Verse 13, energio. Energio. What, what's the root word of energio? Energy. Oh, somebody help me preach. Hey, look at Christian. God put the best thing you could ever have in your life when you got saved. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. I mean, we, we're, listen, we're so rich, we don't even know how rich we are. But we're only as practically rich as we work it out. Don't tell anybody that your Christian life is somewhat famished and lacking. And pray for me in my Christian life. I don't got no lights on. My cable is off. And I'm about to get evicted from being a blessed. Don't tell nobody. Because when you admit that your Christianity is functioning in a broke way, you are admitting that you've been too lazy to work it out. But wait a minute now. Somebody's going to say, but pastor, but I'm not lazy. I work hard. I work it out and I'm trying to get the most out of my, but I'm telling you right now, pastor, I'm tired. I'm out of gas. Paul says, "Uh -uh." don't even try to use that excuse. Work out. You better get the most out of your Christian life, but you can't, you can't use the excuse that you ran out of energy because verse 13 said, work it. God supplies the energy. So there is no threat of burning out when you're doing what's right because your source is God and God as a source never gets depleted. Zachariah is looking at him. He's looking at a candlestick and the oil's just flowing. It just flows. It never stops. It just keeps flowing, flowing, flowing. And he must have thought, that's how we're going to build this temple. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. It's going to be frustrating. But we don't have to supply our own energy. All we have to do is take the energy he supplies and get the most out of what we're doing for him. And God says, not by might, nor by power, by my spirit. Maybe Christian, maybe, maybe your Christian life is missing what it needs because you are plugged in to the wrong source. It's easy to do. You can learn, listen, you can learn anything in the Christian life and do it well. You just can't do it in a way that pleases God unless he's doing it through you. 
May we be driven to a posture of desperation where we refuse to settle for any form of Christianity that is not completely empowered by God's Spirit. Our Father, would you help us? We have to work at this. We, we struggle. We all do. We're human. We're just going to be honest. I've been preaching a long time. It, it's, it's, it's easy to preach from rote or memory or talent or practice. But this church doesn't need a performing pastor. They need a spirit-filled one. And may I never lean on the arm of the flesh to do your work. How many say, Pastor, God has spoken to me. I want my Christian life to be lived wholly and completely by God's spirit. Would you raise your hand all over the building? God bless you. It is so easy to just, just, just do it, right? It's like, because everything else we do in life, thank you, you put your hands down. We, we practice so much. It's like you, and, 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 but then, then there's the other end of the spectrum where God says, yeah, I'm doing, I'm, 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 the, I'm the full power source, but you don't get to sit down and do nothing. You gotta sweat, cry, sacrifice. Colossians chapter one, striving. It literally means to, to exert yourself to the point of exhaustion. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm asking you, if God is the power source that never runs out, will we ever experience what it feels like for the unlimited power source of God's spirit to actually have a completely yielded, hard-working, 100% driven child of God who will now give God's spirit something committed to work with? I wonder if there's anybody in the room who said, Pastor, I'm not sure if I died today. I'd go to heaven, but I'm sure I do not want to go to hell. Please pray for me. Anybody like that? Would you let me pray for you? I'm not sure if I died today. I'd go to heaven, but I'm sure I do not want to go to hell. Would you slip up your hand long enough for me to see it? I won't embarrass you. I won't call your name out. I just want to pray for you. Anybody like that? I'm not sure if I died today. I'd go to heaven. I'm sure I don't want to go to hell. God bless you. Now, now we're in, in your seat. Why don't you pray all over the building? God, help me to be getting the most out of my Christianity. God wrote the Bible, but guess what? He ain't going to read it for you. God gave you power to have a job. He's not going to tithe for you. God gave you a mouth. He's not going to soul win for you. Jesus shed his blood on the cross to save all of mankind. He's not going to tell them for you. This church belongs to the Lord, but he's not going to come to church for you. Come on now, folks. I talked to a man recently. Said I'm going. He said I'm going to the gym at 3:45 every morning. I'm, I'm I'm on a whole new workout regimen. I go to the gym at 3:45 every morning. Ain't nothing wrong going to the gym at 3:45 every morning. I just want to know: Do you read your Bible every morning? Maybe we got workout plans for everything, but the biggest area where we need to be working out. Come on, now you got gold in your mind. Go get it. 
And by the way, when you pick up what looks like dirt, you're not sure if it's gold, rinse it off with the water of the word. You sift truth through scripture. Scripture is what rinses error and exposes it as such. So we make sure we're not filling up our spiritual buckets with a bunch of dirt. Amen. God help us. Lord, take your people and do in them what only you can. And we'll bless you for it. In Jesus' name.